Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rest in la peace. <laughs> Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 27th of January in the year of our Lord 2000. Sleepy Hollow is number one in the UK for the third week in a row. Mario Party 2 for the N64 has just been released. It's that and number five are considered the best. But both of those things pale in comparison to the fact that Manic Street Preachers, the masses against the classes, have finally dethroned Westlife's rotten cover of ABBA. And I've never liked Mean Street Posse. Pollocks. I've never liked <laughs> no, no, Manic no, no, Street Preachers. No, 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 no. Pe- oh, from no. now on, from now on, we call the Manic Street Preachers the Mean Street Posse. It's probably you type an MSP for a wrestling type of... Uh, Immediately, never MSP. actually, before, before you go any further with, oh, your, yeah. with your intro, John, can you please put the no. Mean Street Posse... On a Manic Street Preachers album cover. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Joey Abs, the masses against the class. <laughs> As you were, sir. I never liked the band after Richie, you know, left slash died. But they're my new favourite band after finally ending this streak. But moving on from all that, somewhere in the world in little old USA, which is a country back then, there was a little <laughs> show called SmackDown. And they just finished a pay-per-view known as the Royal Rumble, which we've already talked about by the time this goes on, but we haven't done it in real time yet, so bear with us. And joining us through the vortex in this journey through the SmackDown Classical Review is Mr. Tom Campbell. Thank you. By the time this goes out, not only will you have heard myself and Matthew doing the Royal Rumble 2000 watch along, but WrestleMania 36 would have, in whatever shape it takes, have happened. And hopefully, hopefully, the the uh, the pitch that Matthew put forward about Drew McIntyre hitting the Claymore so hard that it sends WWE back five years has already happened. <laughs> Hey, if you sent it back 20 years, we're out of job. <laughs> oh, no. That's a good point. What would we do? Oh, no. Would, would, it, that's, that doesn't bear thinking about. Doesn't bear thinking yeah. about. How are you, Matthew Gregg? I am good. I have just done my yoga. I have that good pain in my neck that I hope will stay as good pain. I have myself a little brewski to the left. That's a, the brew tea, by the way. I just realised I've said that. And I'm talking with my good friend, Tom Campbell, who I've not spoken to 
in seven days. So I'm in good spirits. What about yourself, Mr. Campbell? I am fine. Thank you. I am eating everything at the moment. <laughs> I just feel like that. And also, I'm not just eating everything. I'm drinking loads of tea. Like, I've never drank as much tea as I have done since going into self-isolation. Like, I just feel like I'm mainlining tea. I'm keeping the British end up by constantly drinking tea and and a whole load of saurine as well. Big fan of saurine while I'm in here. This episode is brought to you by... <laughs> saurine and, <laughs> and, Yorkshire, and Yorkshire tea and Dreamies, every cat's favourite friend. And by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Rodders. One day. And Uggs. <laughs> and they're all in the hugs. <laughs> oh, what's so, nice Tom... is me and you get to sit okay. down now and go back to happier times, back when there was a crowd at wrestling, <laughs> and uh... and we and we didn't need to worry about social distancing, although many of us wanted to social distance from, from some of the weird characters that turned up on a Thursday. Can you imagine? It doesn't matter how many people have passed away from what we're currently going through. The amount of repopulation we're going to go through six months from now. Oh, gosh. All of the babies born in this particular era is alarming. It's going to be the new, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to say, please, people, go outside. Get out of your bedrooms. <laughs> they reckon that at the end of this, um, this, this particular instance in our, in our world history... We will have both a baby boom and a divorce boom. God, yeah, that's a that's very likely. Exactly, exactly. But hey, look, we're, we're recording this like very far ahead of he- uh, the future. We could all be out by now. Like somebody, somebody could have pulled their finger out and found a cure. So we could all be out by now. <laughs> ah, happy days, eh? Mm-hmm. But that was back then. No, that was currently. Yeah, that's how we <laughs> that say that currently. in English. This is currently. Why don't you set the scene with what was happening in the world of wrestling way back when? That... And do so in English, unlike myself. <laughs> that was then currently. This is now in the past. <laughs> right. Who wants to write Sable's book? <clears throat> that was the question being posed in the Wrestling Observer in this particular week. In the year of our Lord, the year 2000, Anno Domini. Uh, and this comes from the Wrestling Observer. This is where, during the before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, we go back and just set the scene uh, from with some lines and some bits from the Observer. And uh, Dave Meltzer writes the following. In the 26th of January, New York Post, they had an item about there being an auction among publishers to get the rights to publish an autobiography written by Rena Mero, which would be called... Busting out my life as Sable and beyond. <laughs> this is when WWF Book Amania was so hot that there was literally an, an auction to get the highest bidder to write Sable's book. Did she ever have a book in the end? No. Oh. <laughs> so it shows you how well that went. Oh, well, spoilers for next week. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank Brian Zane for. Um, for retroactively filling in the gap in my knowledge to what I'm about to say here. If I was to say to you, Matthew, the WXO. Oh, was that the after the Wild Samoans uh, promotion? The WXO 
was a promotion that was put together in sort of 1999, early 2000, sort of made up of sort of the bits of the of the wrestling boom that nobody wanted, essentially. Um, right. I, I'm trying to find out whether it was after the Wild Samoans that was behind it. I know for a fact that Ted DiBiase played the authority figure. He was the CEO of the WXO. It featured Stan Lane on commentary, <laughs> along uh-huh. with Chris Cruz, and fo- boasted a roster of Adam Pierce, Tommy Rogers, Eric Watts, Zandig, Jesus, your mate, <laughs> <laughs> my mate, Dan the Beast Severn, uh, and uh, the Heartbreakers, a tag team that we didn't know a whole lot about other than their name. Um, it was uh, just a hodgepodge of anybody who wasn't hired to a major company at this point uh, working for the WXO. It didn't do very well. It's back in the news because WXO have paid Chris Cruz and Stan Lane to do new voiceovers of old tapes uh, because they'd like to bring back the WXO but don't have the money to start running shows again. So they're going to just dub over some old stuff. Genius. And wow, I was completely off. No, it's not the alpha one. Uh yeah, this might be a new one for me, DubXO. I can highly recommend uh, Brian Zane from Wrestling With Regret. He does a beautiful fact-finding video all about the WXO. I didn't know about it until Brian Zane told me about it, and I fell in love with it because, honestly, it looks like a... It, it's a, it's someone's built a rocket with absolutely zero fuel. It's just mind-blowing that it even got off the ground and got a very brief run on television. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's um, like the AWF for the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, Terry Funk's on trial this week. What? There is a civil trial set for the middle of this month regarding a spectator in the front row of an ECW show who was injured oh. by a burning chair during the October 28th, 1995 ECW arena match between Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. Do you remember this? This, this has become so infamous that for a while people speculated that it wasn't real because the show that it happened on, I'm doing some research on this, it happened, but all existence of the main event, which I believe was Tommy Dreamer versus Cactus Jack with Terry Funk doing a run-in and Foley going into great detail in his book about it and then the lawsuit um, in the second book, I believe. Obviously, yeah. Cause I mean, uh, yeah, the alleged story is that Heyman had the tape physically destroyed. Wow. As in someone out in the back with a hammer and <laughs> went, what, what, what footage? They absolutely don't want anybody to see it. So it's just get rid of every every bit of evidence. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. Bin it right. And the guy, the guy lost against. Sorry, but, wait, I probably shouldn't say anything now. It's going to ruin the, the suspense for people who don't know about this story. But yeah, we don't know what happened. <laughs> Stay tuned next week. Shut up, Matthew. Rob top, Van Dam is injured. Oh, is this where he... I gave Rhino a baseball slide the outside and snapped his fibula. That is spot on. Uh, it happened. Oh my God, there we go. There, yeah. I'm back on form. It happened in the day after this particular SmackDown taping and um, it's put Rob Van Dam on the shelf for five to eight weeks. This is really, really bad timing. Because not only is uh, 
is Jerry Lynn also injured, as well as Just Incredible and Tommy Dreamer suffering some bangs. But Rob Van Dam was set to finally ascend to main event status in ECW. He had the longest tenured reign as ECW television champion. And it was one of those things where it's not if, it's when he becomes the ECW world heavyweight champion. And it was um, it was one of those cases where just as he was about to get that big match with Mike Awesome and, and move up the card, boom, leg went, didn't truly recover in time uh, to see the... He just about saw the end of ECW, but by the time he was properly back and up and running, it, and that, that title push had disappeared. Yeah, it's one of the biggest what-ifs in wrestling. We were a week, maybe two weeks away from seeing Mike Awesome versus Rob Van Dam. And as it happened, they never wrestled each other. We never had that one match that would have been amazing. Probably still be talking about it to this day. That both men in their primes. Life's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> life sucks and then you die. Um, life doesn't suck if you're a wrestling fan in the UK. As oh. WWF have signed themselves a lucrative deal with terrestrial television channel channel four uh this was a big move for wwf because they've been on sky tv for a long time uh the 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 relationship with sky and wwf was a little bit rocky so they they took some of their programs elsewhere and this was where channel four said we want a piece of that wrestling pie so they started showing wwf heat on Channel 4, and they picked up the rights to a couple of the pay-per-views, the first of which will be the Royal Rumble this coming Sunday. Uh, the deal is worth an estimated $1.13 million to the WWF, which was a good shout of money at that point. Um, and even just Sunday Night Heat for the WWF in the UK is drawing over a million viewers, which is good shout. Uh, WCW has had the lion's share of the UK fans at this point, and WCW Worldwide on Channel 5 has been doing around about 800,000, which is respectable because not every household had Channel 5. I seem to remember when Channel 5 came out, you had to uh, to, to retune your videotape recorder so you could record on Channel 5. I, you had to get a man round to fix it. So, did good mm. numbers considering. Uh, but uh, Channel 4 is in more homes, so more eyes on that. I'm sure this relationship will be long and fruitful and nothing will go wrong, Matthew. You have a Channel little four, bit from... mortified. Mortified <laughs> at the content that we are providing. Straight after Eurotrash. <laughs> I know, right? I love how upset Channel 4 were. Yeah, I mean, that's a good shout. Like, Channel 4 were upset with the the exposure of Mae Young's breasts. Do you know what? We all were. Um, but this is the channel that hosts Eurotrash. You know, where where every prepubescent boy in the UK got pretty much all their first sexual awakenings. And they take issue with an old woman yeah. getting, a, getting, a, getting her puppies out on television. To give the devil its due... The issue with Sky wasn't so much the violence, it was the fact that they had been promised this would be aimed towards teenagers. And what they got was a very violent, a very titan-filled show that was clearly not something that they could sell advertisers to teenage products or whatever. It uh, was an adult show. And they're like, well, wait a minute. And so the biggest response was, well, yeah, of course kids watch this. Look how violent it is. <laughs> Jim, I was like, no, no, no. It's like, damn it, Walmart had, had a point here, lads. I mean, it's true, though. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a good point from them, but um, 
yeah, this this is what we're watching now as well, which, which makes me chuckle because they would they would crack the family friendly thing a bit later on. But this is WWF apparently toned down currently. This is them yes. taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Val Venus doesn't mention his cock anymore, but Captain Jack still ends in thumbtacks. It's for kids. A family picture. RTC did nothing wrong. Uh, you have a little bit of uh, wrestling trivia from this I particular did. time, don't you? It was hinted at last week, and I actually knew what it was thanks to watching MMA on Point every week. A good YouTube channel, I do recommend it. If you're only a casual fan like myself and just want to know about the cool and interesting bits about UFC and other MMA promotions. On the January 30th, 2000, Pride Grand Prix 2000 opening round, held by our friends, I keep on getting brought up as backhand characters in this show, uh, Dream, Guy Mezger, one of Ken Shamrock's fighters for Sakoara, who at the time was considered to be one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Mezger took the fight on two weeks' notice and had a broken foot going into the fight. The contract that Mezger signed stipulated that the fight would be one 15-minute round with no overtime. The fight mostly consisted of Mezger controlling the fight by stopping Sakuraba's takedown attempts while landing strikes on the outside. The round ended and Mezger expected the fight to go to the judges. However, Pride officials want the fight to go to overtime. According to Mezger, Pride did not like the outcome of the fight and changed the agreement slash contract on the spot in order to give Sakuraba another chance to win the fight. Ken Shamrock of Just Signed to Dream FC fame, and also Mezger's corner man, entered the ring and an argument ensued. Mezger was then ordered out of the ring and back to locker room by Shamrock, who was livid at the decision to extend the fight because of Mezger's foot injury and the fact that he had taken the fight on short notice. So basically, Pride wanted Sakuraba to win. He didn't, so they went, oh, we'll just change our mind. We'll just keep on going until he does. So Ken enters the ring and goes, what? <laughs> no, you're not. And just orders this guy to go backstage. And so they declared Sakuraba the winner and said that Mezger had lost the will to fight. So they went backstage and Mezger and them had a discussion and probably apologized and uh, maybe possibly gave some money to Mezger and maybe Shamrock to get him to calm down. And yes, this was very dodgy. And seeing Shamrock raging with the ring going, you lion get, is really like, yeah, he's completely justified by it. <laughs> However, by doing this, it did give a Sakuraba versus Gracie in one of the best, I can't speak English, in one of the best fights you'll ever see. That went, I believe, uh, well over an hour. Don't know the exact times I'm written it down here. But it's amazing. And it was the start of, not the start of, I think it was the third Gracie. But this is like the head, this is like the last boss Gracie of Sakuraba's Gracie Killer franchise. So, it ended up being for the best for entertainment value. Sucked for Mezger. And, uh, yeah, that was Shamrock's Intermanious debut in the Pride. Okay. And he would eventually sign on and for a few fights. Before some stuff happened. And then he did UFC and did the whole Tito Ortiz thing. But it's just big. nice that Ken Shamrock had this little, just little raggy. And a completely justifiable one, but obviously he's there yelling in English, going, what? What's all this? And the commentator's like, oh, Mezger's lost the, lost the will to fight, honest. It sounds we amazing. We didn't double cross him, honest. Can we watch this online? You can see clips of it on MMA On Point. They're mine, Brian Zane. <laughs> um, I'll send you a clip. I don't think, yeah, the, all the Pride stuff is on the UFC network. So... I like uh, it. Give I them like a plug. It. I'm very... Yeah, Dana White loves me. I love the idea of Ken Shamrock, as you said there, shouting, you lying get. 
You. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so anyway, that's that little thing. I was interested that you brought that up. Like, oh, Shamrock's got signed to Pride. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the thing. Uh, anyway, that was the setting the scene aspect of the Golic Smackdown review. So let's move on with no further ado to the 27th of January 2000 after Rumble. Monday Night Raw recap. Triple H tells Big Show, you know, Show, me and you seem to have a common problem. The two face off with The Rock and a partner of his choosing later that night. It turns out to be Rikishi. DX take out Rikishi on the outside, leaving The Rock to get double teamed. Oh no. Looks bad, bad times for The Rock until Cactus Jack, author of the month, shows up with a 2x4 for the save. And that brings us to Widdy Woo, Widdy Woo, Widdy Woo, Widdy Woo, <laughs> Smackdown intro. We have and some we new in- friends now, don't we, for WWF television? Triple H and The Big Show. And Rikishi right. and The Rock. The Rikishi and The Rock friendship is even funnier with hindsight, is it not? It is. And it's even funnier right now that they're just being presented as The Rock's really popular and Rikishi's getting there. There's no mention of the Anoy family, which I'm not sure was that common knowledge on TV at the time. There's two mates. As far as I know. And we're in Baltimore, Maryland, home of the cookies. And we start <laughs> off with Billy Gunn. Come in the ring by himself when we get told that Road Dog is uh, not here. He is sick. Uh, sick of being sober. I do not know. But Billy Gunn says. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't know what's going on, what the story is with Road Dog here. Was he recording an album again in Bunny Rabbit Ears? Oh, God, I forgot about that joke we had. Yeah, yes, the that's... last time he was off for a bit, he was recording an album. Nudge, nudge, wink, yeah. wink. He was recording an album at 3 a.m. outside of McDonald's. <laughs> While shouting at a policeman. <laughs> Holding up the mic in front of a bus stop. Oh, I see a line. <laughs> Billy Gunn says, Road Dog may have the flu, but he still has one word for you. Suck it. And it's like seeing Ant without deck. It really is, isn't it? it <laughs> so, does that shed any light on where Road Dog was? Was he recording an album? In a, whilst oh, no. While crashing oh, no. a car. Oh, oh. Damn it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Backstage, Al Snow tells Steve Blackman, Hey, when he beats Billy Gunn tonight, they get a tag title shot on Raw. Steve Blackman approves of this, as Al Snow's last idea was to have the Raw crowd chant head cheese at them. Al Snow apologizes because he won't use that name anymore, instead, puts bunny ears on Steve and declares their new tag team the Snow Bunnies. Blackman doesn't approve. So Al goes, ah, oh, I guess it's back to head cheese then, and walks the ring. Mixed reaction as the crowd doesn't know if they're supposed to be cheering Al right now, because it was only two weeks ago where he was disliked by everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, the like, this, is a, this is a phantom face turn for Al Snow, is it not? It, he's getting there. He's been rehabilitated by the most charismatic man on the roster, Steve Blackman. <laughs> but this will do wonders for Steve Blackman as well, though. It would do in that, yes, this is the very slow start of an all right tag reign going into an awesome hardcore title run for Steve Blackman. Oh, we've got that to look forward to, haven't we? The Summer of we Blackman. We do, we do. Oh, nice. Forget the Summer of Punk. It's all about the Summer of Blackman in my house. That's right. All the kids are going to grow out their hair, gain 10 pounds of muscle, and swing those sticks around. <laughs> oh, he's going to 
going to be so over. I'm so excited. Oh, DJ, can you play... Oh no, by the, sum, theme. Yeah, by the summer he's changed his music, he's, he's swapped in for that. That's his theme. Lola starts off by telling us they could put a dress on Blackman and go as headdress. Well done, Jerry. Michael Cole says New Age Outlaws are lucky to still have their titles as they look like they were going to lose to the Hardys on Raw until the Dudleys interfered. And you can almost see the Vultures circling around the New Age Outlaws title reign with his new hot tag teams popping up and head cheese. Gun and Snow collide in midair, and Gun appears to get hurt for real real, not for play play, by a collision to the face, and needs some time to recover and choke Snow for a bit. Or maybe, he just wanted to choke Al for a bit. Match falls apart as both men are reading from the same page, but are holding different books, as Gun tries to suplex Al onto the apron, but Al falls off and lands outside. Doesn't sell, so he grabs Gun and decides to punch him directly in the balls in front of the referee. No call allowed. Al misses a top rope leg drop, so he takes an atomic drop, followed by another atomic drop, followed by not another one, as Al messes it up, and Gunn just pushes him, and the crowd can be heard booing. This show is pre-taped, and that was the best take that they could do. I, li- I love that. Jackhammer is supposed to stop the Famouser, but here's Blackman and his stick. Gunn is much higher up on the food chain, so he grabs a stick and twats both of them, in front of the referee who calls the DQ. And we get a nice follow-up from last week, when we talked about the mixed metaphors that Triple H got wrong, as Cole must be a fan of this and travel back in time after that Claymore, and says, Billy Gunn, reverse the tables. <laughs> Which I know, pop me. Suit yourself, Tom. What do you think about this, this extravaganza of a match? Oh, Blackman, bless him. Giving it an old college try, but very much learning learning his place in the in the roster. <laughs> uh, but um, Billy Gunn leaves looking very cross. DX aren't happy. It was fine. It was a fine enough match. I don't mind Al Snow and Steve Blackman as a team. I'm excited for what they'll do. Like I, I, I'm not against it. I remember when I watched his first time round the segment on Raw where it was Al Snow like trialing loads of names like Head Games and stuff. I remember even thinking then, Head Games would be a good name, as uh, more so than Head Cheese and uh, and and Bunny, uh, Snow Bunnies, and Knobhead. Knobhead. <laughs> they never they never tried Knobhead, did they? <laughs> Let's go Knobhead. <laughs> they just hang a, They hang what they hang like a door handle on Steve Blackman's head. <laughs> no, it's Al Snow playing both members of the team. <laughs> So Al Snow wins the battle of the crowd, isn't sure if they should be cheering this guy or not. And I put down, worst non-Bulldog match in months. Oh, okay, a bit harsh there. <laughs> Backstage, Triple H and Steph aren't happy with this, and they exposition everything that we already saw in the Raw recap. Thanks, lads. But Big Show shows up with his WWF t-shirt and blue jeans like he's working the doors tonight. Such a job. <laughs> and says... He has proof that the rock's feet touch the floor first. Yes, I forgot about this. He has a series of photos 
But Triple H isn't convinced, and he says it needs an eyewitness. Big Show begrudgingly leaves to go get one. Triple H appears to be treating Show as a joke, but Show is stupid. <laughs> this segment, if it had been filmed in 2020, uh, this whole this whole storyline would have lasted three minutes because Big Show would have gone, my feet hit first, and Triple H would have gone, oh yeah, get me proof. Here, here's this guy's Instagram story. <laughs> he was sat at the front. <laughs> Triple H goes, oh yeah, that checks out. Yeah, you win the rumble. Yeah, here's at green shirt guy. <laughs> you'd also, have, Lesnar guy. You'd have so many different people. Um, the the spot from the Rumble match. I know we've discussed it. Um, Rock's feet touching the floor. Was that meant to happen? I think I checked Pritchard's response to that, and it was on the lines of, "I commit to non-answer." He didn't really say if it was or it wasn't. I just wonder Which, whether it was a happy yeah. accident. It worked out that way, didn't it? Yeah, it gave Rock and Big Show something to do and a bit of uh, impetus to carry on feuding for a couple more weeks and sort of put the WrestleMania main event in jeopardy for The Rock a little bit longer. Um, I can't help but feel it was a happy accident. I think so too. Because I think he would have. I think they would have probably not. still done Big Show versus The Rock at No Way Out. Uh, winner goes to mania they still would have found a way to do that but i think the feet touching the floor thing was just a nice little addition to that story i agree i think it's like bulldog kid rock's feet touch the floor ah. rock's feet touch the floor first whether he wanted to or not <laughs> don't worry, i can't talk today i'm really sorry hey you're, talk- um, you're talking wonderfully you are well good at the words talking bollocks tv guide has four different covers it's uh, presidential smackdown because of, you know, the whole American election thing coming up. We have China, Mick Foley, Triple H, and hey, look, The Rock, who could still possibly be president one day. He really, really could. And, and, Can't and, read a uh, screenshot, in, uh, in case he is. In at least the, the story mode of 2K20, he is. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, in the 2K20 story mode, uh, you play like just some useless kids training to be wrestlers, and, and it's just bad but one of the funniest parts of it is they constantly refer to president dwayne johnson so it's like oh the rock's president in this story and i think i think near the end of the career mode like if, if you're upset with me spoiling career mode for 2k20 geez you need to get out <laughs> um but at the end uh you end up having to fight president johnson <laughs> good god amazing there is my running mate, Mr. Mick Foley. <laughs> Do you agree with my policies? It doesn't matter if you agree, you sick freak. That'd be great. What a time. What a time. Back to reality. Cactus Jack is here. And so are the black and white replays of the Triple H match to keep the show PG-13. Cactus informs him he's no idiot. And he's brought a steel pipe to protect him from the eight people who want to get him backstage. He says one of the best matches of his life was at the Rumble against Triple H. But also a disappointment because he didn't win. But it's not about that. It's about how you maim the game. Mm. Big pop because rhyming's fun. Triple H looked like he just went through hell. And Cactus looked like he just had a good time. That's a money line that I did like that. Stephanie shows up to call him pathetic. After her husband beat him at his own game. Triple H ain't here because why? What would be the point? He's already proven he's just a statistic as Cactus Jack. 
corresponds with she's a crack whore. God, I, about that I couldn't get over that chant. <laughs> what a, like, I get like they've they've chanted things like slut at uh, people over the years, but she's a crack whore. Like this is oh, like a you. very she's... uncouth WWF crowd. So yeah, so much for sophisticated Maryland. The, the proper chant should be she's recording an album or. Cactus <laughs> says he doesn't know how she's going to produce an air continuing Triple H doesn't have any balls Steph slaps him but he ain't retaliating but offers her to play a game called do that again and see what happens and he dares her to play the game she scarpers so Cactus tells her to go find her husband and then Cactus thinks about it for two seconds and goes ah sod it I'm leaving but tell your husband he'll be ready to finish this whenever he's ready very abrupt change there from Cactus, but apart from that, a good segment, and it showed that, yeah. All right, you slapped us. Do it again and see what happens. So give the crowd what they want about Steph having to take the, you know, the crack whore pile driver or whatever the crowd wants to see. <laughs> the old crack whore driver, as is better known. Special occasions only. <laughs> and speaking of special occasions, Halftime Heat returns on January 30th. Would you like to know what happened on this show, Tom? Yeah, I seem to remember it was... A bunch of highlights from the Rumble and an interview with a very groggy-looking Steve Austin. <laughs> I, he's been self-isolating. I, we can all agree. He looked like he'd been self-isolating for two weeks because he looked pale, chubby, and just a bit forlorn. Um, I, I, That's what I remember from... If it was this particular interview, I remember being really sad seeing this interview. Cause, oh, like, is it, it that bad? It was It was more the fact that in my head as a... As a then 15 turning 16 year old wrestling fan Steve Austin was just like this godlike figure who every time he turned up like everybody died and it was just he just came across as unstoppable and the idea of seeing Steve Austin sat on his sofa with a brace on just looking helpless and it just really crushed me it's an interesting point to raise there, Tom, because we generally only see wrestlers when they are at their physical best. We don't see the recovery process, and if it is, it's done the montage bits where by the end of the three minutes, they're back to run up mountains and challenging Ivan Drago. So I guess it would be weird to see, oh, there's Austin after neck surgery, so he's not been able to exercise or get any sun, and he's been playing Mario Party 2 and going, Deborah, my, my palm hurts. I can't spin it around for Shaga. <laughs> I mean he hears the glass shatter and he's like oh you're listening to music nah I threw my pad through the TV <laughs> that is a disgusting Austin impression by the way I apologise <laughs> the entire state of Texas it sounds like Cletus the slack jawed yokel from the Simpsons <laughs> Henry O'Godwin <laughs> I can't get past oh. this call. All right. <laughs> I made me some moonshine, Deborah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Deborah. You went, I said you ought to buy an N64 controller. You bought a Dreamcast controller, you son of a bitch. I can't play the Beverly Hillbillies 64 on this. <laughs> I love that game. Love that bunch of bastards. Hold on, my phone's going off. 
What? Is that Amazon Prime? My delivery's outside. It's my Dreamcast controller. Oh, damn, but you got it wrong again. I don't have a Dreamcast, Deborah. What? You pop your knee up in your pocket. There's no games for this. It's okay. like when you pop into your pocket. What? My Game Boy Color. What? My Game Boy Pocket. What? It's like the Game Boy Color, but smaller and more black and white. What? <laughs> my Neo Geo Pocket. What? What? My Wonder Swan. What? <laughs> <laughs> my Coleco Vision. What? <laughs> the test jokes that were just recycled? What? My Philips CDI. My Sega Pico! <laughs> My Sega Nomad! 87 batteries for that son <laughs> of a bitch! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, there you go, oh. new meme. You're welcome. <laughs> there we go. Steve Austin, M just. My Photoshop, John! <laughs> Steve Austin. Lists of obscure gaming consoles. <laughs> See, that's why, because in some of those older consoles, you couldn't pause the games. That's why Austin couldn't get the treadmill. <laughs> it was a different time, folks. Come on. I can't pause while oh. I'm on the treadmill. Oh, I can't pause these goddamn laser discs. <laughs> I've been stuck on the same goddamn level of plumbers don't wear ties for three <laughs> weeks now! Jesus. My sombre bitch tiger handheld. I'm waiting to get the last level. It never ends. <laughs> I'm glad me and you are having a laugh, mate. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much of a laugh anyone else is having. People on these podcast things are like, can you skip ahead a minute? Oh, God, they're still going. Skip ahead another minute. <laughs> I might start the, the putting timestamps in. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we talk about wrestling, you dullards. Oh, there okay. And yeah, there sorry. And there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't have advert breaks. We have wrestling talk breaks. <laughs> yeah, for the Fight TV people listening to this, uh, we'll go back to SmackDown. <laughs> Backstage, Hardcore Holly says the family would like it if they got back together as Crash Holly is seen cleaning his scales. Crash Holly declines as he's teaming with Viscera now and they're undefeated after that one win on Raw. So Hardcore Holly doesn't like this and says he's going to take out Viscera tonight. For a and I like the idea day. of there being the Hardcore Holly family because, of course, who else could that be? Well, none other than Molly Holly, of course. Of so, yeah, but we we, we, we get to have a Molly Holly, aren't we? Uh, I... No, I th I'm glad that someone looked at these two and went, you know what, they need more Hollies. Because they're <laughs> absolutely right. Bring us more Hollies. More Hollies. <laughs> Any more Hollies than be on the FBI watch list. Uh, Edge and Christian, with Edge sporting a new hat uh, here. And they are gobsmacked. That's right, gobsmacked. And when you know Edge, you know that's a lot of gob that the Dudleys attack Terry Runnels on Raw and gives a serious promo that 
Definitely conflicts with the big cheers. It's like, my God, it's so bad how they what they did to Terry. Her back may be broken. She may never wrestle again. And it cuts the replay, and it's like power bomb. Yeah, <laughs> EC dub, EC dub. Hippity hoppity, women go through property. <laughs> what did you think of the absolutely charisma drained promo from Edge and Christian? That's a somber, my fellow Americans voice. Like they're about to tell the world that the Russians have finally launched the nukes. <laughs> It's time to make your peace with your gods. Yeah, there's, it's there's, very um, inappropriate. There's audio of Winston Churchill saying something similar. Do you know that? There's an underground radio station, uh, which is like the BBC's fallout station. Mm-hmm. And in there are tapes of Winston Churchill. And on those tapes are recordings of Winston Churchill saying words to the effect of, if you hear this, then we have been overrun and overtaken please stand by for further details because he had to record it in the event that they lost the war in that it's nice event? that they shot that alternate take yeah <laughs> i think i think they've done that at wrestlemania this year <laughs> is that the dvd of world war one or world war two uh it's world war two in color Oh, in bollocks! We got the black and white. Do you know one. what? And, and off the back of that, I know we mentioned WrestleMania. By the time it's happened, I do hope that when, even when it comes out on DVD, we get alternative endings. That would be a good selling point. Be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, and we won't we won't go down the rabbit hole of making Winston Churchill say, "If you're listening to this, it means that Lutez finally lost to Farmer Jim." <laughs> if you're listening to my voice right now. Please note that I have got past Bob on Battlefield on oh, Super Mario God. 64. <laughs> How'd oh, you get past Tom, you son of a bitch? <laughs> For the fantastic Nintendo Penny Farthing. <laughs> um, the Dudleys put Terry through a flipping table, right? They certainly did. Was this the first of Bubba's female victims I think we would have felt the wrath if they'd done it before so yes I'm going to go with Terry was numero uno she was she was Bubba's first uh, it was and it what started Ooh. as um, just ultimate heel badness kind of became a weird calling card yeah well as Jeff Jarrett was attacking women and put them in the figure four because he was the larger more dickish dude Bubba putting someone through a table, especially the power bomb off the second or top rope, looks cool as hell. So they're wanting to make him look like a baddie, but it looks too nice. It's a cool thing, and it's, you know, at this point, we're all desensitized of violence against women. But on the plus side, it means it's the first time ever that Terry Reynolds has been the top of the list. <laughs> anyway, with Terry out, it means... Lists. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> How much do the fans Terry, love Edge oh and Christian here? They do. They do like them. They're still slowly rising with that very slow push because they're having a stop, start, stop, start kangaroo jumps with the hollies and too cool and everyone else getting a bit more attention. But they're still there and Edge still has the wacky Edge finish to keep him strong. The and wacky also edge Terry finish. won't be back for a while which is for the best because now the crowd can actually pay attention to the Hardys matches. Yeah, that's true. 
Anyway, neither team bothers with tags to start off because they're mad as hell. It's all smooth sequences and beautiful transitions while not looking pre-planned. And these guys are just getting started with their chemistry. I believe this is the second match they've had on SmackDown so far. Headbutt to balls. Still no was up. Gets two on Chris. Uh, have I typed Chris for short for Christian? I bloody well have. You have, mate. Christian. Two on Chris. Surname Tian. Was there not talk very briefly that when Christian was going to, when Jason Riso was going to TNA, he was going to be called Chris Jin? I thought there was that was a, a joke along with the joke that when they told Christian Heal he was going to be heathen. Ah, oh, that might have been a joke then that I misinterpreted. It's one of the things where everyone says it so much. You go, was that was that going to happen? Is that real? I don't know. Is that real? Yeah, it's like that. The I'm not sure when we'll get to it, or if it does get announced at this time, we find out about later on. The infamous story about Vince McMahon deciding that Christian was so ugly that they should blur his face out with a blue mark. Oh. We're going seriously considering it. Vince, He's not even ugly. Coming from Vince oil painting McMahon. Right. Vince, the portrait of Dorian Gray keeps in the attic McMahon. Anyway, Bubba and Devon officially moved from stuttering tie-dye to camo orgasm here. To, I think this is definitely the time when we can go to, this is the second era. Uh, so those people that like doing those big paintings or pictures of all the different versions of a tag team. This is the early SmackDown 2001. And the reason I bring that up is, if you've seen the guy who did the Sting one is now doing an Undertaker one. Is he? Yeah, and it's grand. And I there was someone there that I didn't know. Because I had uh, Undertaker and a beret. And I go, I don't blame him for that. Did he join La Resistance? <laughs> Do you remember when the Undertaker joined La Resistance? John? Rest in la peace. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is exactly how the French go. <laughs> Je m'appelle the dead man. <laughs> Je adore Sarah. <laughs> Je coute AJ Styles, ass clown. <laughs> Je, habit, Je habite le Death Valley. Let's <laughs> do <laughs> French Undertaker. John, Undertaker and La Resistance, please. Or just French Undertaker. Hot tag to Edge. After getting beat up for a while, with Christian tagging out Bubba with the crossbody, a move that Christian still uses. Still uses, sorry. He used up until the end of his career. And Edge hits Devon with a spear for the win. Oh, wow. Edge got a clean win. Oh, wait. <laughs> Silly me. It's Edge. So the Dudleys instantly recover and give them both three Ds, and then get the table. Christian takes a powerbomb off the apron, through Edge, and Edge is seen bleeding from the mouth, and we get the crazy Bubba stare, like Private Pile and Full Metal Jacket. And fun fact of this match, I had the Devon action figure when he had this attire. Oh, really? I don't know why I didn't have a Bubba one. I must have really liked Devon during that period. Maybe he was like, no, no, all the bubbles are sold out. I have a Devon. I went, yeah, he's got the camo. Awesome. Well, I'm going through these blue jungles. I won't be able to see him. Ah. 
I like it. Actually, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, sorry. But obviously he's blue and striped, so I don't know what he's supposed to be. Maybe he's fighting Atlantis. I don't know. Well, this is bombing. Backstage, <laughs> Triple H tells off Stephanie. Sometimes it's just nice just, just to let the jokes breathe. I was pressing Suffocate. the laugh button. I was pressing the laugh button. It wasn't working. <laughs> Sounds like a raw crowd now. <laughs> Backstage, Triple H tells off Stephanie for going to the ring by herself. Kane then kicks down the door and demands to know where the doctor is. What? Oh my Christ in heaven. I've put... Demands to know where the cane is, and I've put, I've typed do voice. I've typed this like it's just a play, and I've missed my line, so I'll do that again. Where is the doctor? There we go, Matthew. Seamless. Fantastic. <laughs> it was supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> where is the doctor? Matthew reads rest of script badly. Kane wants X Pac, but he ain't here. So Triple H tells him he isn't here, but he can have him on Raw, and Stephanie interjects with, uh, if you beat Big Show tonight. Okay. <laughs> that's that's Kane reversing out the door and going to the, the ring. Is Kane one of the dumbest guys around? I feel like every every week on SmackDown, he bursts into Triple H's office. He's like, I want to fight X-Pac. And Triple H goes, hey, easy. You can fight him on Raw. But how about tonight? You do the dishes for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's Kane's raison d'etre every week. <laughs> I want X-Pac. Oh, you just missed him, mate. You just missed him. <laughs> He's just popped in Nando's. He'll be back in but a bit. But while you're here... <laughs> fight the big show. You can get the Dyson. <laughs> Fix that bit of pile over there. You can have him on Sunday Night Heat on Channel 4. <laughs> After Euro Trash. Yeah, that's right. Afterwards. You won't miss it. You won't miss Mr. Penguin. I like the bit where the woman gets her boobs out. <laughs> Isn't it weird that you have to put up with a lot of weird European stuff just to see some tits? All right, Kane, you... All right. Lola Look, Ferrari I'll, I'll, I'll has massive whammers. <laughs> all right, Kane, chill, mate. Remember when he advertised fruit pasta lollipop? <laughs> <laughs> I had a fruit pasta lolly, and now I sound like this. <laughs> what was wrong with it? Was it laced with arsenic? I think I was lied to by that man in the alley. <laughs> I think I was lied to by Battery John. I couldn't hear him. He was too busy recording an album. <laughs> I think this might be the most beautifully rambly Smackdown review we've ever done. Stupid. Self-congratulatory. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Viz versus Hardcore Holly. Replays of Viz and Crash beating Too Cool on Raw mean that they are indeed undefeated after one match. Go on, lads. What should we call this tag team? Oh, okay. Um, I I tell you what we'll do, right? Because, I mean, this is the beginning and the end of the tag team, isn't it? Leave the memories alone. <laughs> oh, Tom. Well, it is. Let's. let's, let's... <laughs> it could come back. Well, do you know what? In the event that it does, uh, let's call them... Uh, <laughs> right, it, it's a shame that it's not Road Dog and Viscera because we could call them High Vis. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I was going to say, the two buddies Holly. <laughs> two buddies Holly. <laughs> Anyway, you think that's bad. Wait till the point at the end of this match. Harko Holly thinks he's big, but Viz proves everyone's the same height when they're on their back with a huge spinning leg kick, which I always love Viz for doing. Crash Holly shows up with his best I'm thinking face, clearly conflicted. Viscera wins with the Samoan drop to absolutely no pop because they're all anticipating what Crash Holly was going to do. So Viz goes to splash hardcore. So Crash goes on his shoulders and takes him out. And so the Hollies double close on him to the outside. What the hell was the point of that? And it isn't said, but it is heard. He is heavy. He's my brother. <laughs> Pointless. But Matthew, the cousin, shut up. So, yeah, uh, Crash Holly went from the winning team to the losing team. Also known as uh, James Storm declined the sign of NXT to stay with TNA. That's pretty much what happened, isn't it? Yeah. Backstage show wants his photos back. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, coming back. I tell. <laughs> and one Triple H. Back. Sorry, I actually need those things. You know, they'll help my case later on. And uh, one Triple H not to abuse their privilege. Triple H goes, whatever. <laughs> well, it had been five minutes since we last tore down Big Show, so I'm glad we went back to that. And SmackDown tonight is brought to you by a poster of The Rock asking if you have any milk. <laughs> the Rock says. Do you have some milk? And if you do, don't show up your ass. Put it in your mouth instead. <laughs> Take that milk. Turn it. They sold away. millions of posters with that expression. The got milk thing uh, is. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, so I'm not going to. I go believe into we it have. Again. Yes. So if you go back, you can find the history of the got milk campaign. It's it's wonderful and silly. Yeah, suddenly milk was the healthiest thing in the world. And there's some argument we made for that, sure. But as someone who realised much later in life that he was lactose intolerant and should avoid milk, uh, screw you, SmackDown poster. Do you know what I learned, right? <clears throat> At time of recording, obviously now you're hearing this, like the WrestleMania's happened, but we put out our prediction video um, mm. the day before we recorded this right now. And in the video, I just thought, instead of just sitting down and doing my predictions, because I'm in self-isolation... I'm just going to record them doing different things around the house. So it took me about an hour 
to do the predictions. But a job that should have taken probably 10 minutes. Because I, I painstakingly set up the camera in different places around the house. Doing different things. And one in one of them, I go into the fridge and I drink, um, I drink from the bottle of milk that we've mm-hmm. got. We get skimmed milk. We get red top because, for similar reasons to you, I have a bad stomach and skimmed milk doesn't make me vomit. So I'm inclined to drink it. I can't get over the hate for skimmed milk in the internet wrestling community. I've had some of the angriest messages from people asking why I drink Red Top and how, why I've turned heel on them for drinking skimmed milk. I've never known it. It is crazy the uh, tribalism that wrestling fans have got into. Like, you know, Tom, I liked you when you said AW was good. Tom, I liked you when you said that Dub XO was underrated and deserves to be brought back. But you drinking a different type of milk, that's it. <laughs> Like you and you are not like me in this unique way, and therefore we are no longer friends. We are enemies. It's like you in sparkling water. Oh, but I absolutely love doing that just to wind people up because how dare you rule your life dictated by some very funny memes online and some Twitter tweets <laughs> when I've been drinking fizzy water all my life, and as you can see, it's had absolutely no effect on me. <laughs> There were people who used to drink fizzy milk, fizzy milk, Jesus, fizzy water Ooh, with pride, a... and then they heard me talking about it, and now they no longer drink it. That's a good idea, that. That is. You know what else is a good idea? Smackdown being brought to you by phonefree.com, as free as the wind blows. Did anyone use this? Who knows? And also WrestleMania 2000, a must-have for all guys wanting some alone time with a single mum. <laughs> I put in my notes. <laughs> oh, God, go on, give me. We put it. Uh, brought to you by WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> Keeping Matthew quiet for up to 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Michael Cole said that. <laughs> if it, The abridged version of the backstory here. Was it somebody seeing your mum at the time bought you WrestleMania 2000? I forget. It was so long ago, Tom. <laughs> Who? Somebody seeing your mum at the time. That's right. Was bought you WrestleMania 2000. He did. He wanted to get on our good books and also so we could piss off for you know several hours. And then just disappeared upstairs. <laughs> the smart man. Best he, do, you know what? Spend. do you know what? I actually applaud him. I I think that's I think that's a great idea. I feel like if I was to uh, ever find myself in a position when in a relationship with somebody with a child, I would probably buy them WrestleMania 2000 as well. Partly for the confusion of them going, what am I meant to do with this? <laughs> that's also a funny thing because I don't feel that that's a bad story at all. It's a great uh, story, mate. Or it doesn't make my mum... Some people like, it is calling your mum a slag. I went, you're allowed when you're a single mum to go dating and whatever. Like yeah, Elaine has needs. Don't those, say it like that, Tom. Those three words. The way oh, the, the way that sentence was structured just absolutely stepped <laughs> over the line, didn't it? <laughs> a three word. But there's no sentence. easy way of going, look, if your mum wants to do it, she can't. A three word sentence that completely steps over the line. <laughs> Moving on. You God, I hope we got time for some wrestling <laughs> today. Kane versus Big Show. <laughs> Uh, two men uh, who wish they were as heavy as Crash Holly. <laughs> and uh, aside from the thrilling action of 
show doing something and yelling, Aah! we get told X-Pac was being a wrong one on Raw, despite Tory insisting he was a perfect gentleman on vacation. Hmm. Because the people who don't remember, because Kane didn't win the title from Big Show in 99, the stipulation was Tori had to spend the Christmas break with X-Pac, which she's been traumatized from, apparently, or she's been acting like she has, but still insists X-Pac did nothing wrong. Hmm. Anyway, Big Show launches Kane outside and yells, Who's the Big Show now? Uh, you are, dummy. <laughs> Crowd still stunned silent after the Crash versus Viscera storyline has ended. And nothing happens until X-Pac with the amazing DX hockey shirt slash dungaree combo tries to abduct Tori by picking her up and going, You're my wife now, Dave. <laughs> it was very Papa Lazarus, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. But Kane shows up to chokeslam X-Pac in the front row, but then all of the X show up to beat down Kane. Kane is still a house on fire. No, oh, sorry, Kane. And Triple H has to smack him down from a chair to get him to calm down. Showstopper sets up Kane getting tied up to the ring post as the match has been long since cleared up. But X-Pac gets the mic. Oh, I remember this bit. Mm. X-Pac's going to tell us the X-Pac Tory Christmas story. He moves to the bedroom scene and tells Kane that's where all the action happened. Because that's where his girlfriend seduced him. X-Pac describes how Tori removed all of her clothes and then tore all of X-Pac's clothes off too. She kissed me on the head, she kissed me on the chest, and on the... Well, I won't go that far. She did, but I won't. Jesus. X-Pac yells about all the sex he had <laughs> as the crowd cheers, because they like sex. X-Pac tells her... She can do whatever she wants. He lets her go. Tori goes to leave as the commentator speculates she'll go get back up. Then she pauses, walks through to X-Pac as Lola says, no, she's going to attack X-Pac herself. Instead of attacking her, he shoves, sorry, she, Christ Matthew, she shoves her tongue down his throat. Kane, <gasps> no, no. X-Pac, the end. And then he throws the microphone as if he's dropped it for a uh, uh, the promo mic bomb that CM Punk thing would do and he catches it dramatically you know so the story means? was Tori was with Kane and using him for protection I guess and then X-Pac converted like Sean Connery converted Pussy Galore and Goldfinger and this is a very Russo all women are hooers and can't be trusted storyline do you know what this also means I get to do what? this for the first time in a couple of weeks <clears throat> so Tori was uh was with Kane and it's transpired that despite the fact that Tori is disgusted by X Pac, they were actually on the sly and item since at least Christmas. So you know what this means, don't you, Matthew? What, Tom? You know what this means? <clears throat> One second. <clears throat> it was a setup! Oh! Thank you, Tom. Wait, I, I, I've got the soundboard here. Just two seconds. <laughs> mwah, 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 mwah. Exactly. Okay. Kane, I love you. <laughs> yeah, but you're always getting tricked by Triple H to do the house cleaning. That's not true. <laughs> so, Kane, gullible fool, 
Hippity hoppity, women of property, and they're all slags as well. Not my words, the words of Vince Russo and company. Not even here, but for some reason, via osmosis, his writing still resumes. Damn it, we need an exorcism for the SmackDown writing committee. Do you know what we do? Like, Jesus Christ, we need to, need to send somebody in there from the church just to get the demons out. Women, women, <laughs> women are evil. Women, <laughs> women, women will turn on you. <laughs> Afterwards, Kane is seen walking away by himself was, in the snow, full gear, with the Incredible Hulk song playing in the background. <laughs> For what may be the tenth time in his career, and he's only been here since '97. Where do you man? Think that's Kane... sad to see, isn't it, Tom? Where do you it's think so Kane sad. went? Where do you think Kane went? <laughs> you want to go fix Triple H some eggs? <laughs> I'll bring you your eggs. <laughs> I think he went and sat in a Starbucks, but one connected to a bookshop, and just quietly read the secret. Whilst drinking a macchiato. I think went to a little bar, smoked the old bar, sat by himself at a table that seats eight, and come ordering shots, and he went, give me a whiskey. And the guy went, whoa, I think you've had enough. No, I always sound like this. Oh, Jesus, sorry, mate. Yeah, I won. <laughs> what was Man, it you said? Atomic... What was it? I've sounded like this ever since. I had that <laughs> Robinson's lollipop. That fruit pastel's lollipop. <laughs> I saw it on Euro Trash. What's, what's Euro Trash, mate? It's a program mentioned in a joke earlier on. <laughs> Sorry, I don't follow. Oh, never mind. It's gone. It's, it's gone. being talked about in a podcast in 2020 right now <laughs> by two wrestling fans. <laughs> so, oh, are they together? No, the virus is keeping them apart. I see. All right, and mate, they you... talk about modern wrestling. No, not modern wrestling. Just wrestling this 20 era. years ago. <laughs> oh, they must be experts to do professionally. No, they mostly jack off about Game Boy Color jokes and my voice. <laughs> oh, I see. Not many people can listen to it then. That's right. <laughs> oh, Game Boy Color, the height of technology. No, but in the future, it will be retro <laughs> and a joke. Think you've had enough, What mate? are you talking about? I'm going to go look, log on to AOL and think about this. <laughs> Tori had AOL. Her, her, her screen name was Mrs. X-Pac 882. I guess I should have guessed by then. <laughs> but her, her username on MSN Messenger was all women are bastards. <laughs> Brackets, especially me. Laugh emoji, laugh emoji, laugh emoji. Doesn't Kane have a silly voice? <laughs> dot geocities.com. Well, anyway, we go. We walk away from this sad, sad scene. So sad to see Kane betrayed again. So sad. Get on the hoo train. Yes, that's right. Godfather, Dilo, and titties walk the ring. And they definitely missed the trick by not having them walk past Kane as he suddenly walked. That would have been amazing. The pop for Tuchel's entrance afterwards, surprisingly, is even bigger than the hose. Like, legit, Tuchel are definitely here. If there's any doubt by now. Mm -hmm. Scotty Too Hotty nails D'Lo. 
then hits the moonwalk as his hat flies off. And I thought that not worthy enough to type that out. They wrestle for a bit. Then Godfather tries to go for the whole train in the corner. Hoddy comes out and does the worm right in front of him. So Godfather says, ah, hey, we can wrestle any time. But if you want to party, then let's do it. And the host go in for a dance and bounce around. That's it. <laughs> Which I thought was nice. I remember that happening when I saw it live. And of course... The best punchline that WF has to offer shows up, which is Mae Young and Mark Henry. <laughs> and they've got good news. Ola gets to lie on the light by quipping, she passed away. <laughs> <laughs> Mae Young yells in the microphone, I'm pregnant. <laughs> As everyone in the ring looks disgusted. And Ola says, tell the Pope there's been a miracle. <laughs> A lot going on here, Tom. What do you lot, think? A lot to unpack there. Uh, I love the uh, I love the idea of this match just stopping and becoming a dance off. I I seem to remember in the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer wrote, "Imagine this happening in the NBA." <laughs> oh, because oh, of the match, they just God. go, they just go, hey, you know what? Forget about this. Let's just dance. <laughs> He wouldn't know a joke in wrestling if it gave him a Kawada driver. <laughs> anyway. I think so. This was fine. This was what it was, and uh, the the pregnancy reveal. Uh, oh, the payoff of this. No. But you know what? The thing is, whilst Russo is gone, and we complain that his memory remains, his power is weakening because we do get a payoff to this. There is a planned payoff. <sighs> which we do get to, whether we want to or not. I wouldn't say it was planned, but I mean, all right. Hey! <laughs> they just made a joke about Mae Young and Mark Henry oh, having God. sex. Who are you? I'm Kane. I'm still in the bar in this bit. <laughs> just I'm watching Smackdown back. on the small TV. <laughs> just referring back to me. <laughs> I'm watching Smackdown on the small TV. But that's... That's the football on there. No, that's the one in front of you. I'm watching it on the one directly to the left of me. <laughs> Do you want me to move it round or anything? No, it's fine. I can see perfectly. My neck hurts almost as badly as my heart does right now. <laughs> Backstage, the Mean Street Posse, also known as the Mike Street Peaches, recover from the news of Mae Young's pregnancy until they spot Taz. Making his SmackDown debut after beating Kurt Angle at the Rumble. And good God almighty, is he small. As they call him... They can't remember his name. They call him Tears. But remember... Sorry, go on, you go to him. I was just saying they call him Tears. Just made me laugh. Yes. Can't remember his name. Is it Tears? Is it Swizz? But it's out on Napoleon, for obvious reasons. So Taz says, I'll tell you what I want. I want a match with you. And they go, all right, what do you want? No, 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 not just one. All of them three guys. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about his wacky accent that seems to change for went, a few years. No, not you. Not one of you. All three years. The three years. I thought that was... Oh. When I was a kid watching this, I thought that was the coolest bit. When Taz was like getting picked off for being small and he just went, I'll, have, I'll fight all three years. I was like, oh, yes. Taz was going to batter him. I loved it. Already oh, there, moral. we knew what was happening. Exactly. Alola says, wow, the Mean Street Posse against Taz, those aren't fair odds. Mean Street Posse need another two or three guys with them to make it fair. And that is how you get that's, Taz that's over. It. Yeah, let's see how long it lasts. <laughs> yeah. In the interim, there's a Mean Street Posse doing stretches backstage. Gangrel with Luna show up to challenge for the hardcore title. 
and Tess shows up to a mild female pop. And he's got a black eye to balance off his broken nose. So that'll help his equilibrium. Luna spits Evion into Tess's face so Gangrel can close him onto the concrete near the ramp. And Tess recovers to put a hard hat on Luna so he can bop her like whack-a-mole. <laughs> he then wears it on his own head so he can give Gangrel a headbutt. Luna keeps on interfering, but they brawl near the loading dock to the arena. Now, being one of them, the very American big arena slash hotel, it's like, oh, that's nice. And they're outside in the snow. Luna gets dumped into a truck full of snow, and Tess covers her like a dog playing with leaves. <laughs> they brawl to a telephone booth, and Tess forces the guy on the phone out, but grabs the, <laughs> grabs the guy's dog and says, what's got small balls and hangs down? A bat. What's got big balls and hangs up? He puts down the phone. <laughs> that that was good. I was impressed by that. I never heard that before. That was really, really good. We get more items, usually found in the game of Finders Keepers, until Luna accidentally hits Gangrel and sends him into a sea of cardboard boxes off the docks. That's just to be happening there for a start game hutch chase scene. So Test responds by powerbombing Luna onto a piano. <laughs> it's happened to be there in the loading docks. And then flies off onto the, the safety pad of cardboard for the pin. The best test match since SummerSlam 99. Like how earlier on in the night, Terry Reynolds getting powerbombed through a table was, was cause for solemn tones. Uh, Luna gets powerbombed onto a piano. Whee! <laughs> you deserve it. Oh. Oh, well, hippity hoppity, that was someone else's property. And backstage, the Mean Street Posse argue some more about who gets to pin Taz. Because they're so cocky, because there's three of them. And three is a bigger number than one. <laughs> this segues into Taz's entrance and awesome music. Found on the WF The Music Volume 5. And, God, I missed listening to that. Cole does a bad job of selling him on the, as he walks down the ring. Uh, calling him an overachiever. And he's done a lot, and he's uh, this and that. To the point where Lola has to go, Cole, shut up. <laughs> and Lola has to put him up. Bad guy Lola has to take over from Cole because he's doing such a rubbish job of selling him. And... Da -da -da. I mean, he may as well have renamed him The Big Dwarf for all the tension they're putting on his negatives in this segment. But it doesn't matter because Rodney gets dismantled, so Pete Gas tags in so they can double-team him behind the referee's back. Tries attempts to clothesline Rodney over the top rope, but uh, physics intervenes and he can't manage it, so he bonks on the bottom rope <laughs> and lays there limp. And uh, he looks dead. But thankfully he gets up, but for a split second it's like, oh my God, is, is Rodney actually dead? Uh, Taz chokes out Joey Abs instead while they're checking on Rodney's pulse to beat three men on, on a handicap match. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. But then who should choke? <clears throat> but Kurt Angle attacking Taz. Uh, Bessie, very unhappy with the victory at the Royal Rumble show. He was trying to argue that because it was an illegal choke, the victory doesn't count and was tainted, and he would spend the next few weeks trying to overturn it. And the commentators do do a good job of saying, no, no, look, his hands, his hands, his arm is uh, below the head, so it's cut off the blood. It's not a choke. So nice yeah, to see that they, they, it's very rare at. for them to go this deep into a wrestling hold, but it's a nice little change of pace. Yeah. If you listen to that bit of commentary, you think Taz was getting a mega push, but... I'll see Michael Cole, I don't know if he's looking at his notes or Vince McMahon's, because maybe Vince saw him and got a good look at him the first time he saw him on TV and was like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's it's, it's, it's a very out-of-character purchase for WWF. 
I mean, I don't get I get the impression that Vince didn't know that much about Taz anyway, because there's the the classic clip that does the round of Taz of Vince talking about Taz going, oh, yeah, he came with a, a lot of uh, credentials, you know, suplex king and all that. So you get the vibe that Vince didn't really know that much about Taz until he turned up. Yeah, and he had a lot of protection in ECW because ECW had many faults, but one of the positives they did was highlight the positives. They would show, they wouldn't pull out Taz and go, Taz, go out there and be tall. It's like, no, the, the Taz, go out there, pop your hips and suplex everybody and do this and that. So WF were like, mm, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We'll have him beat the Mean Street Posse, and that's it. I anyway, thought it was, a, it was a good week. effort at pushing Taz strong. Strong booking of Taz over the posse. Like, like I feel like, and <clears throat> I'm being overcritical here, I wouldn't have had Angle attack him so soon and leave him laying so soon. Because he only debuted, he debuted less than a week ago. And he's already been laid out. Like, you know. Um, I'd have also had him beat the posse much quicker. <laughs> like, 30 seconds. Like, abs out the... Like, suplex, abs, suplex, Rodney, Taz mission, gas, done. That would have been how I'd done it. Yeah. I'd have just been like, 30 seconds, done. Don't have Angle come out yet. S- save that for a little bit. You know, unless... Because they're not really building to Angle Taz at No Way Out, which is the next pay-per-view down the road. Like, that's not happening. So, mm. As far as we know. But we'll see. Well, if something happens next week that's sure to change a few things. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. So that Taz has some of the worst timing ever. But that's that's for next week. Backstage, Crash, Holly and Hardcore are together again. Uh, Crash asks him not to be jealous, though. Because what he's going to do, something Hardcore Holly couldn't, and that's win the IC title tonight. Ooh. And we get the WrestleMania 2000, a.k.a. the Photoshop John 2000 Slam of the Week. And that was on Raw. China pedigreeing Hardcore Holly onto a chair to help Jericho retain against Hardcore Holly. And they leave together. That's China and Jericho, that is not Hardcore. (laughs) Crash on his way to the ring, runs out so he can hold the scales in front of Hardcore Holly and block his view, which I thought was a nice touch that I didn't see before. And... Jericho was being accompanied by China, so we get the SmackDown debut of The Bazooka. Yes! I was trying to remember what the name of this bazooka was. It had its own name, didn't it? Jim. <laughs> it's key. No, um, I don't know. Was Sorry. it the C one thousand or it had like a it had a like a name and a number? I honestly don't remember I'm it having a name. I'm not calling it a liar, I'm just China's surprised that they gave a gun a name. Bazooka. And uh China coming out with this means that she now knows how Jericho felt carrying something useless and expensive. Hey! Dankeschön, Dankeschön. Jericho doesn't blame Hardcore for being jealous. He'd be jealous too if his cousin was Saturday morning star Elroy Jetson. He's going to beat him up for Astro and the rest. Still remember this years later, and Elroy would haunt Crash Holly for a while, especially as the crowd start chatting, Elroy, Elroy. I forgot I wonder, that, it, to people that to name this, was born here. Ah, oh, uh, do we have to explain to people what the Jetsons was? Mate, <laughs> mate, mate, mate. Earlier on, we made a joke where we mentioned the ColecoVision, the WonderSwan, and the <laughs> oh, Nomad. <yeah. laughs> I genuinely don't feel like we we should explain the Jetsons. Because <laughs> by now, if... If people are, are invested in our nonsense, they're still here and they'll look it up in their own time. Some of these references predate electricity. Yeah, you're right. 
Anyway, moving on from the talkies that we were talking about before. Uh, Jericho doesn't seem interested in selling much for Crash in a rock wrestling Val Venus kind of way. Luckily, Hardcore Holly is there, or he wouldn't get any offense in, as Hardcore bonks Jericho midline salt with the IC title, but Jericho only just kicks out. Damn it. We were that close to Elroy as IC champ. So China walks over the DDT Hardcore Holly on the outside, allowing Jericho to ignore Crash's offense some more to lock in the walls of Jericho. And China and Jericho leave together. Lovely. Ah, I mean, speaking of no selling, here's The Rock walking. <laughs> oh, and here's a nice little bit. Sometime this week, I think at the exact date, Dwayne The Rock Johnson guest stars in that one crappy episode of Star Trek Voyager with the Alien Wrestling Federation. And this it? is officially The Rock's First acting career appearance. Oh, it's the beginning of the career of the acting world for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Certainly is. The episode achieved 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 a Nielsen rating of four point one million homes and a six percent share, making it the highest rated episode of the season. Jesus Christ, I'm so hungry. Ah, I can't ah, even ah. pronounce words. <laughs> Nearly there, you mate. Know what, I have Push my off fuel. I have the thing with fuel is it's great. You have it. It's easy to stir up and mix and whatever, drink whatever. But it is like when you're playing a video game and you're on like acid or lava and your health gradually goes down bit by bit and you can feel yourself getting hungry and hungry as the seconds progress. So I'm very sorry that I'm Don't can't use words. Do you want me to, to look? I'll tell you what, look. There's the, the bits that we need to know for our main event of the evening. It's The Rock and Rikishi. Uh, this is... No, 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 no. I want to talk about Star Trek. I know, because I've got bits here about it. This is oh, the, okay, go ahead. In which this is the week he played Sunkatsa, the Pendari champion in Star Trek Voyager. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> breakthrough. This was his breakthrough on TV. And the next big thing he would do would be playing Matthias in the Scorpion King. Haku Mashente. He stands alone <laughs> because I am leaving WWF forever. But what does it say about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and the star power and the stardust that he gives off? The fact that he makes a guest appearance as a wrestling Pendari, a Pendari wrestling champion in Voyager. as the biggest episode of Voyager of the season. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek Voyager clearly is the dub XO of the Star Trek <laughs> franchises. And, of course, special mention, if you have seen this episode, during the fight between Seven of Nine and the champion The Rock, he does use the rock bottom. And even did the people's eyebrow as well. The Rock was the first WWE superstar to appear on Star Trek, the other two being Tiny Zeus Lister and The Big Show, who both got starred on Star Trek Enterprise. And uh, have you seen this episode, by the way? I haven't, no. I've seen clips of it. And it's just sort uh, of The Rock in a lot of face paint just being The Rock. Basically, and the it was criticised as being blatant cross-promotion between the UPN shows. Just get working, but clearly the people voted there. Lots of Trekkies in the arena in Maryland. As The Rock gives his usual spiel to deafening reactions. We have the crowd chanting, Rocky, Rocky. But The Rock does have a seven-foot pain in the ass. Going, but Rocky's me, does the ground much. Shut up, jabroni. <laughs> anyway, these two are resting because Triple H said so. Wasn't happy with them. Uh, with Triple H, with uh, Rock and Rikishi teaming up to take on Big Show and Triple H on Raw. Nothing's been said about the family connection yet, as I've said. Nothing is in this match either. But Rikishi goes hit for hit with The Rock. 
So you know he's serious. This is definitely not a Bulldog or Venus. And Simone Drop lets Kishi get the advantage. But he misses a charge in the corner. Walks into Spinebuster for two. Rikishi no-sells the DDT. And why is that TK Cooper? Because he's Samoan. That's right. <laughs> TK Cooper, Island Graps. Uh, find it in the podcast archives. That's right. And he follows up with a super kick. Not to be confused with the rock, paper, scissors kick. To set up the Rikishi driver. But Rock gets the rock bottom. And I don't know what happens here, to be honest with you. <laughs> we need to talk. Okay. I, I, I appreciate you going into depth about the move, move, move in this match. There's one move we need to talk about in this match between The Rock and Rikishi. And it is the rock bottom. The first rock bottom <laughs> of the match. So, this is how this breaks down. As Matthew said, Rikishi driver attempted. Rock scuttles out the back. Rock hooks Rikishi's uh, arm under his shoulder. Typical Uranagi starting position. If you watch The Rock, he goes through all the motions of a man who is going to hit the rock bottom. Like his feet come off the ground, he tilts 45 degrees, his head's facing the floor. He is on his way to deliver a perfect rock bottom. Everything about it is textbook. If you watch Rikishi, <laughs> this is a man who kind of started to take a rock bottom, then wasn't entirely sure if this was the moment where he was meant to. So in the, in the, in the nanosecond, and this is why, you know, my very brief appearance in wrestling, very brief, um, um, the advice I had from H.T. Drake, who was the man that battered me with a lung blower a couple of weeks ago, um, he, the advice he gave me was, decide how you're going to take it and commit to it. Because if you don't, it all goes wrong. Whatever you do, whether you're going to fall flat on your face, whether you're going to bounce back up, however you're going to take it, just commit to it. Because if you don't, it goes wrong. And this is, and I get it. And I absolutely get it. Because watching Rikishi, he didn't commit to the rock bottom. Because obviously there was doubt in his mind. And I get it. Sometimes wrestling matches move a million miles an hour. I'm in awe of wrestlers that practice move for move for move and know it move for move for move. <clears throat> I'm in awe of it. So Rikishi had just kind of not committed to it. So as a result, he kind of leans back a bit, props himself back up, lands on his knees, to which The Rock has now just gone flying down, <laughs> lost all grip of Rikishi, and Rikishi props himself up on his knees before collapsing on top of The Rock and then rolling away. It was... it, And it's... Do you know what? It stands out because very rarely do you get a shambles like this in a rock match. They're normally so crisp and they flow so well. And when it all goes wrong, oh, daddy, it goes so very wrong. This looked like it was a blunder from Rikishi, didn't it, Math? It did, yes. You're supposed to take the the rock bottom on your back, but you decided to take it cane style on his knees instead. And resulting in rock landing first after hitting a rock bottom as opponent... And Rikishi landing on the rock. So Rock had to brush him off. Go, get off me. <laughs> Rikishi rolled to the side. As the entire crowd went, what? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> and they recover from their bruised egos to walk into another rock bottom. Done properly. But then Rikishi stands up as if nothing happened anyway. As if the rock bottom is now a transitional move. So, to the untrained eye, Rikishi's just taken two rock bottoms and is still coming up. What a push they're giving him. Absolute monster push for Rikishi. Yeah. <laughs> Surviving all these rock bottoms. 
Then the referee takes a bump, so I believe the belly takes out the rock. Banzai drop connects, but no referee. Could Rikishi have pinned the rock? We may never know. Because the, the Big Show interferes to end the match via disqualification, and Show stops the rock. Then Triple H shows up to pedigree Rikishi. Tuku make the save, but they get pedigreed and choke slammed. No Cactus Jack to save the day, so we end the show with Show, Stephanie, and Triple H posing. And the, the show goes off the air just as Triple H punches a referee out for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah. And you, T. Ow. Do you know what? Do you know what? Look at this setup in the ring at the very end. So you've got like Triple H and DX and all that on the one side. And you've mm -hmm. got The Rock, Rikishi, Too Cool. We are, even now, and we think we're two weeks away from it, we are starting the build to one of the greatest matches in the history of Monday Night Raw. Absolutely. I'm sad that, we, obviously, I will watch it myself and just get giddy about how brilliant it was. But this is exciting to see this. And then it was I had a little moment at the end of this when I saw all the players in the ring. I was like, oh, that's, that's in a couple of weeks. Oh, God, we're there already. I was excited for this. Uh, so if you know, you know. If you don't, you're going to come on the journey with us and find out. I'm glad you remember that as well. So I'm like, wait, hang on. Too cool, DX. <gasps> it's time. Oh, man, I'm excited. Such it's also time match. for this version of SmackDown to come to an end. As next week, I believe, something happens involving WCW and for... Four toys that they just didn't need in the pram anymore. Mm. Mm. But not Shane Douglas. Oh, next week, lots to talk about. But before we Absolutely, get to next but... week, um, tell me something that you remembered from this episode of SmackDown. I definitely remembered the Tory X-Pac bit. Because that was surprising to me at the time because it literally makes no sense. And even as a small child, I was like, but wait... Tori's been with Kane all this time and like been looking after Kane and Kane's been doing uh and Xbox been trying to kidnap Tori and she's been like no get away from me you freak how well uh. but still the memorable angle with Kane being tied up and having to see this mm -hmm. I remember um the Taz Me Street Posse match that was the bit that sticks out to me um because I just remember it being like, I remember Taz looking really cool in it, being a short guy, but looking really cool, battering the posse. That always stands out to me. I, I did like that. What did you forget from this episode? I had forgotten about that amazing rock bottom Rikishi moment. <laughs> that itself actually was, was incredible. That rock bottom. It clearly, I clearly didn't forget about it at the time. It clearly had no impact on me as a small child. Growing up and going, you know what would be good? If someone put all those moments in a video. Maybe some Mario music. Or maybe even Donkey Kong. Or a Coleco vision. To be in the spirit of this podcast. <laughs> and they should make 400 of the get. Nah, that'll never be a, that'll, that'll never work. That's a <laughs> idea. And what did you forget about, Tom? Uh, mine was the same. That rock bottom at the end. <laughs> I totally forgot that happened. So when I was watching the episode, I had it on whilst I was uh, chatting to my good lady about something or other. There was something work-related. And 
And as as it happens, I just burst out laughing mid sentence, and she's like, "What's funny? What's happened? What's so funny now?" And I was like, "I'm sorry. It's completely related to what we're talking about, and I know it's serious. But look at the state of this rock bottom." <laughs> so it was a happy it was a happy forget to see that bad boy again. Uh, next week, another episode of SmackDown. If you haven't done so already, uh, catch our Royal Rumble watch along. Myself and Matthew Greg painstakingly watched the Royal Rumble from the year 2000. I say painstakingly; it was an amazing show. You can hear us chat all about that a little bit. And not even in a little bit. You can hear it right now on the archive of the Cult of Hollywood podcast. Matthew, go and get some food. Take care of yourself. Wash your hands. And until next week, I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 